Uh, hold, hang on one sec. Em, are you on the Wi-Fi? Are you doing high-intensity Wi-Fi stuff? Are you still currently watching <laughs> It's like the modern era equivalent of Mom! Get off the phone! I'm, I'm trying to speak on MSN, Mom! <laughs> Get off the phone! And all you hear is... <laughs> 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 The pre-soundtrack to many wanks. And welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nothing. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy From Afar, and with me as always is my co-host Chuck Bailey. Hi-o! Hey Chuck! And with us on the other line, as always, on vacation, new and improved relaxed edition of Ian Stimson. How are you? Hey Stimmers, you in the hot tub or? No, no, not not long out, very relaxed. Down here in Somerset, exploring some cider orchards, all good. Drinking a can of Magnus, really embracing these I know, I've got immediately commercial, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) it's not good is it? You just see him in the supermarket going, what are you doing buying that stuff around our way, mister? <laughs> it's exactly what they sound like as well. <laughs> True story. Yeah, no, I've been here since Friday. We're staying on a farm and uh, we can go and get our own eggs and all sorts. It's uh, it's all very pleasant, but yeah, very, very classic English <laughs> countryside holiday. I was about to say, that's the most English thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> Honestly, it really is. It's been quite pleasant. Yeah. It's been quite pleasant. We can all get our own eggs, though, mate. Yeah, I know. Supermarket. I went, I went and got my own eggs earlier. I know. Ridiculous. Tomorrow I'll smash them just to make a point. Yeah. In front of the chicken as well. Yeah. <laughs> just make them watch. Oh, that's, that's fucked up. Um, Is that one minute and 38 seconds and we got yeah. dark? And cut. Um, so, we are Miles Offside Podcast. It is August 28th. We're recording on a Tuesday afternoon or evening in the UK. Uh, and as it stands, Liverpool are top of the league. But first, before we get to that, some news. So, as we often do, we'll get through our rapid-fire news segment, dig deep into the big matches that happened this weekend, and then come back after the break for part two with some games and questions and predictions. So, to get the news segment rolling, first... Sorry, I just wanted to do like a little news jingle in there. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That's uh, I think ESPN might have <laughs> some choice words for us if we just blatantly steal their jingle, but it'll work for now. Um, so, news story number one. Jamie Vardy and Gary Cahill have retired from England duty. Well, I saw, I saw Jamie Vardy's today and kind of thought, yeah, okay, like, I mean, that makes sense. And you haven't really contribu- contributed that much. Cahill's, I, I didn't... I. Has he not already retired? <laughs> I guess not. No. <laughs> In all but when, when? At what point does just not being picked become getting retired? Getting retired? That's not it, is it? Uh, Choosing retiring, that's it. Yeah, getting retired is pretty sure something the mafia does. <laughs> getting retired, like cut out to pasture. Yeah, exactly. Um, does it matter at all? Or no? No one cares? Nope. Well, they didn't really play at the World Cup and doesn't matter. And okay. He's going for young players, so... Yeah, feels largely irrelevant. 
All right. Uh, news story number two. Hugo Lloris arrested on charges of drink driving. Still captains and starts for Tottenham. Not a few days later. Thoughts? He drinks when he wants. He drinks when he wants. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that was up. the chant. That was the chant at the United game, oh, guys. God, I didn't... Was it? Oh, was it? Wasn't you? Oh, that's so grim. Uh, is it okay that he played? Should they have benched him? Stimmers. Uh, yeah, I think it's okay that he played. His employment is different from his. That is a tricky one, but I, I, I suppose it's all right that he played. Pochettino was uh, fairly, well, fairly strong on him in the uh, post-match press conference, but I mean, I suppose it doesn't really mean anything if you play him. I, I, I feel like there needs to be some separation, so I, I'm okay with it, but I understand why people wouldn't be. No, he just he just won a World Cup, innit? So it's alright. He does what he wants. <laughs> so he can do what he wants. <laughs> uh well the the thing for me is that like in the absolute sure, I don't really care that they played him because I generally believe that you should separate the person from the athlete or from the musician or the artist or whatever. Um mm. but it seems really inconsistent for them to bench Danny Rose uh for speaking out about his salary and about demanding equal pay for black players and all that stuff and like he basically hmm. got iced out by Pochettino for a, because of that, and they and the thing that they cited at the time was like, oh, we believe that our players should be conducting themselves in a certain way, and when they don't, then there will be repercussions for that. Blah blah blah. blah. But then when Loris does it, he gets to just play anyway. Like it, that just seems yeah. inconsistent to me. Yeah, yeah. Loris just won a World Cup. <laughs> Danny Rose <laughs> yeah. is shit. <laughs> Danny that Rose really was injured a... for ages and then started slagging off people saying, why the fuck should I have to Google the people I, I, I'm going to play with? The winning of a World Cup really is a blank check for you, isn't it? Yeah. Won a World Cup, mate. <laughs> Just imagine if England had won. <laughs> oh, oh Jesus. God. Chuck would like immediately announce like a purge for all England players. They can do whatever the fuck <laughs> they like. <laughs> The purge has now commenced. Jaylings, you may do whatever you want. Oh. Don't you make Ian get the bleep machine out this early, <laughs> all right? All right. Pre-watershed over here. Okay, uh, rapid-fire news segment. Story number three. Mitrovic <laughs> scores rapid-fire two... this week, I know, we're going, no, it's going slow. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, Alexander Mitrovic scores a brace. Will he win the golden boot? Yes or no, Chuck? <laughs> um, the Fulham golden boot, almost certainly. Um, the golden cottage. That could be what it is. Ooh, a bit it heavy. sounds dirty, right? Does it? Yeah, it's the we just made the same face. We're like, nah. Yeah. Abort. <laughs> yeah, abort, abort. Uh, but yeah, Mitro's on fire. He scores when he wants. He does score when he wants. He scores when he's like lying down on the floor and has to readjust massively. He's got three headers, actually. Yeah. All yeah, headers. Yeah. And he's he's been an absolute nightmare. Does it count as a diving header if you're already laying down? I'd say it's more of sort of a lounging header. Okay. I'm fine with that. And finally, for the last section of our rapid fire news stories, Harry Kane says that Tottenham making no signings gave us belief to have a strong start. Do we think that's a bunch of shit, or do we think there's anything to that? Bunch of shit. Bunch of shit. Okay. <laughs> it's bollocks. It's just that's just he, exactly like we just said with Danny Rose. He can't come out and say, "Oh, they're not signing anyone." It's the precise opposite of what he'd be saying if they'd signed six superstars. So, 
yeah, it just says to me that they're going to sign players in January. And if they don't sign players in January, then the tail end of their season, they are going to suffer. Yeah, we keep saying that, and then they keep performing. I think this mm-hmm. is a good place to transition into our main segment. Obviously, they beat Manchester United on Monday. Uh, final scoreline of 3-2-0. The biggest ever home loss in Jose Mourinho's career. Spurs' biggest ever win, I believe, at Old Trafford. You know, huge, huge result. How much do we think that, like, the fact that Spurs have been playing together for a full season and there is no transition and no new players and no new anything, how much does that help them? Yeah, I think we, we said it before, it really does help because they don't have anyone new to bed in that they have to spend time to adjust. Like, you know, these guys have been, already been playing together for three years. We said there's certain people that won't get dropped and will continue to play together. Um, Lucas Moura's really stepped up so far this year um, and done really well to kind of expand as seemingly like Christian Eriksen's contracted a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think, you know, none of us really doubted that Tottenham be good. Just my my worry really is that if they don't get more players, you know, you look how leggy they were for the first couple of games. Once Champions League kicks in, once League Cup kicks in, once FA Cup kicks in, the second half of the season, if you know, I'd be incredibly surprised if they didn't strengthen in January because they will, they'll, they'll just, they, they have to tire, they have to. Yeah, I do think I think that that's right. But we did also spend our entire preview and the first episode talking about how they were going to be tired from the World Cup, they were going to be tired from this, and that their players weren't going to be at full fitness. And they still were able to come out and pull off the result. Was it a deserved result in your head? Against United? Yes. Yeah. I think Tottenham were pretty solid and United just were just really wasteful and then ended up getting their heads down and just playing terrible football. I mean, you said at the time, like when I was laughing at United, you, you said like they haven't even looked that bad. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I stand by that take. I don't think that... the The funny thing is that this was their best performance, I think, so far of the three, even though it was the biggest loss and is the thing that is like kind of really putting the alarm bells in everyone's head as far as Mourinho. Um, I mean, did you catch his press conference afterwards? Yeah, I was going to say the the 3-0 loss is not what's causing alarm bells, Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> but so, Oscar, you'd stand by Jose's immediate, uh, immediate comments of, by the strategic point of view, we didn't lose. From the tactics point of view, we didn't lose. But we lost the game. Well, I, <laughs> like, yes, I, that's yeah. a nonsense quote. But I do think that there's some truth to that, honestly. Okay. Um, I'll defend it. Why not? Yeah, I'll be the one that defends it. Because... Well, how many trophies have you won, Oscar? How many trophies have you won? That's all that matters. Hey, how, how many trophies? A lot of participation I've won, trophies. I've won, I've won three trophies. I've won three. The rest many, of us combined have you two. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, I, I do fuck? think like they changed their tactical system for this match. And I think it, it actually was effective. If you looked for at the Spurs? First, no. United. No, no. It was effective for Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look, I'm going to continue to always be one of the people who believes that the scoreline is not necessarily indicative of who had the better day. Um, It often strongly correlates, right? But there are times where, you know, somebody just got a horrible bad beat uh, to take a poker term out. And I think that that, this wasn't a horrible bad beat by any means for United, but I don't think that it was a 0-3 loss either. 
Uh, if you look at the XG, it ended 1.8 to 1.8. So that's obviously not 0-3 or anywhere near. To, to put up 1.8 in XG and then not score is really, really unlucky. Um, and it's not like they have bad players who typically don't score. Like, Lukaku puts chances away when he gets chances. And I think the other guys do, too. In the first half especially, um, I think they came out with a tactical setup that Spurs were not ready for. And they played him completely off the pitch. The first half XG was 1.1 to 0.2. Spurs mm-hmm. didn't even get a shot off until the 42nd minute, I think, or 40, 40th minute, something like that. And Mourinho did like change his shape and change his tactics completely from what they had been doing. And I think that he got the tactical match. He, like, he had won over on Pochettino. Like, he just had the better setup and then, like, genuinely played Spurs off the pitch for an entire half. They were playing with a 3-5-2, um, with Herrera, weirdly, at right center back, which ended up costing them on that second goal. He's the one that fucked up the offside trap to play Ericsson in. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had very, very aggressive wingbacks in Shaw and Valencia. They were playing way higher up than they have at any point this year. They were playing J-Lings as a support striker. So a 3-5-2, but really more of a 3-4-3 diamond, kind of. Um, but he had a lot of freedom to just press aggressively and then feed Lukaku. And then they had Matic, Pogba, and Fred as a central midfield three. But with Pogba and Fred just roaming wherever they wanted. And they just, time and again, were cutting through the middle and preventing Spurs from having any kind of possession, any kind of buildup. And just creating chance after chance after chance. Like, 1.1 is a good amount of XG to create in one half. Um, and so for it to go into halftime 0-0 with some unlucky finishing from United, I think, was really tough on them. And then in the second half, once Kane scored, and it was a great header that Kane scored from the corner kick, like, after that, they just completely collapsed and the wheels came off. Um, but that's, you know, like, it's not hard to argue that they could have or should have been winning at halftime and then Mourinho up 1-0 at halftime like you know what that second half is going to look like it's not going to be wide open the way it was the reason it was so open is because they were pushing so aggressively to try to score and I think that like genuinely this was United's best performance if it wasn't for that press conference and for the like terrible terrible error around the club I would say that this was like a bad loss but that the train is moving in the right direction at least as far as like the tactics go and the players go and figuring out the lineup and stuff. But but that press conference just completely undoes any good work. It's not even just about the press conference. You talk about immediately. It, there's this weird video that's gone around where Jose goes over to the United fans that are still there, giving them some sort of death stare. And he's just <laughs> applauding them. Like, it's terrifying. Um and the camera just pans around him, and he doesn't break his gaze. He doesn't. He doesn't blink. <laughs> that anything. camera's gonna be right next to him as well, and he just doesn't even. Like, he just. Doesn't he pretends he can't. He doesn't give a yeah. shit. He knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah, it just it's it still reeks of mentalness around Mourinho, but you never know how much of it is game playing for him to try and get weirdly to try and get the media to leave him alone because he doesn't enjoy all the kind of prying and stuff, but. When he acts like this, he's just opening himself up for it so much more. And the press conference, just losing it and saying, how many trophies have I won? <laughs> I've won more trophies in this league. You know, or, Sorry, I've won this league more than any of the other managers in the league, more than any of them combined. Yeah. It's like, 
that would be fine if you'd done it with this team, if you'd done it with any of these players, yeah. barring Mata and Matic. You can't play that much on the history of it. And that's just what it makes it sound like, history. Like he's old news, like he hasn't adapted, like he's never going to be able to reach the heights of what he was. You know, don't get me wrong, I don't, I, I'm not a Mourinho fan whatsoever, but you, you have to applaud the talent and what he's achieved in his career because it is impressive. But he's going the same way as like Arsene Wenger in my eyes. Like he's just going to be this belligerent. That's it's a, but you can see what I mean. Like this just belligerence of just carrying on and insistence that you are correct and not adapting with the times and just getting overtaken and surpassed. Ooh, that's, I never even considered that. That's rough. I mean, no, I don't, I don't believe that. Actually, I don't. Because I still think that he is like one of the most tactically astute managers in the modern game. I think he consistently gets tactics right. I think his problem... Arsene Wenger was just a dinosaur and needed to be put out the pasture. I don't think that's the case with Mourinho. I don't think he's still playing the same setup that he was, you know, the 4-3-3 when he first came through with Chelsea in 2005. Or even the second time around with Chelsea, where they played a 4-2-3-1 with very, very different type players in there. Um, he has consistently adapted to changes in tactics, slash has been at the forefront of what teams change their style of play to do to emulate his success at different times. I don't think that's gone away. I think what has happened, and I saw this at Chelsea, obviously, the second time around when he... like This is very reminiscent of that season where he finally got fired by Abramovich. What happens is that his personality is just so fucking abrasive that players either get frozen out, like Eric Bailly, um, who would have been perfect at the, in the middle of that uh, back three, instead of having Ander Herrera there because you've alienated everyone else. It's just his personality. Like, he just is, as he gets older and grumpier, it's that much faster for the environment to get toxic. If he could just be, like, a guy in a room and then have someone else be the person who talks to the players and talks to the hierarchy at the club, I think he could still be as successful as ever. But the problem is that when you're Jose Mourinho, and you spend your entire career uh, selling yourself as, oh, nothing matters but the result. I'm a winner, and winning is the thing that matters. And then those wins start to dry up, like they did in the third season at Chelsea, and like they are have so far with this season with United. There's nothing to fall back on. Like, you can't be like, oh, at least I'm a good man manager, or at least we play very attacking, beautiful football, or whatever, whatever. Like, when you sell everyone for 15 years on the idea that the only thing that matters is that you got the three points or you got the trophy you have to deliver on that you have to and when you don't then everyone starts paying more attention to your toxic terrible toxic personality i don't know i just i still cannot see him staying that long because what he's doing it's just a huge path of destruction clusterfuck mess yeah, I, I agree that he will. I don't even think he'll finish out the season there, um, mm. even if they do start to turn it around. Like even just, the calendar year. Yeah, maybe. Um, so then I guess the natural question is what's next for him? Oh, actually, Oscar, if you just let me cut in, I'll go early with Dave, uh, Dave Sateo's question because he pretty much asks exactly that. He says, if and when Jose gets sacked at Man United, is that his last job for one of the big teams in world football? 
And if yes, will he ever be able to handle going to a lower league, uh, lower team, sorry, not lower league, lower team, or is he just finished? Well, no, lower league, lower team, hell no. There's no way. I think, I think if anything, he should either take, he needs to take some time for himself or something, look after himself, <laughs> go on like a spa weekend or, or some bollocks, just get away for a while, you know? Like like two, three year sabbatical. Like yeah. do nothing. Just do eat, pray, love. Yeah, like the same. <laughs> he needs to take that time and either reassess what he actually wants to do or what will happen is he'll go to PSG, get given a fuckload of money. They'll win the league again because that's all they do there. And then maybe third season again. And then that will be him done. I could see him going to PSG and being the manager that finally gets them the Champions League. Because he is built for cup competitions. He's built for knockout football. Especially when other... Like, PSG can take all the time in the world to prepare for a match like that. Because they can coast through the league. And he'll come up with something that'll just catch everybody off guard in every Champions League match. And, like, that... That would have that was going to be my answer anyway. Was PSG and he'll win the Champions League with them. Speaking of fired Chelsea managers, I saw Antonio Conte today. Yeah, really yeah. randomly. Yeah, I was like walking walking home from work. Was he wearing his toupee? Home. No, he was wearing like a baseball cap. He looked good. Like being being out of football, that's what Mourinho needs. Brought back like a fresh faced kind of thing. Like walking along with his family, enjoying life. You know, in the sunshine. That's what Mourinho needs. Yeah. Maybe get some just for men, sort out that grey that he's getting now. Oh, he looks good. Oh, no. Sometimes Mourinho looks scraggly. Yes. No, no, no. When he's <laughs> when he's unkempt, it's, he looks like a hobo. I'm just saying the grey hair suits him. I think he lo- he's, a, he's aging well when he's clean and shaved <laughs> and showered that week and whatever. Yeah. All right. So let's let's switch over to the other Manchester manager who got it wrong this weekend and dropped points in a big dramatic blah 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 blah. <laughs> Wolves won, Manchester City won. Uh they dropped points for the first time this season. Uh they dropped to fifth place in the table behind notably Liverpool, who's the team that last week we said can't actually push them for the title. It's three games, Oscar. It's Fucking three games. On. But I will say what I said last week. Liverpool don't have to be the best team in England. They have to beat all the other teams in England and hope that City <laughs> slip up. It's still one like, of the dumbest sentences you've ever fucking no, said. I, <laughs> you've just, just said they don't have to be the best team. They just have to beat everyone. They can. What I'm saying is they can be the second best team, get the results <laughs> that they should be getting as the second best team, and hope that City drop a couple of points here and there. City did not drop points like this last season. That's how they got to 100. This is... Where it actually makes sense. Yeah, that's You need to add that in from the start. Ian, you can edit around that. Like, make him sound smarter. <laughs> yeah, Ian, do your magic. Do your magic. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's seven points out of nine. Like, I think you're just judging them this harshly because, you know, last year they went, what, their first nine games winning all of them? No, they had 25 points after nine games, I think. I think they won eight and drew one. And, you know, down the stretch last season, they had nil-nils to Huddersfield. Like, these results will happen. You can't tell much from three games. You really, really cannot. Like, West Ham are bottom, but they're picking up a new, you know, a new style of play. And they're gradually stringing, like, 45 minutes of good football together. 
Um, Liverpool, yeah, they're top. Yeah, they've won three games. I find it more impressive they've kept three clean sheets because going forward, I don't think they've looked that good, really. In fact, I think they've looked quite wasteful. Um, it's very reminiscent of when I play FIFA. Like I sprint down the line, <laughs> like I try and play this nice like passy football for a while, and then I go, no, you know what? I'm just going to keep sprinting and just spraying shots into row Z. Like that's kind of what was going on with Liverpool in the yeah. last couple of weeks. You're not wrong. Liverpool are underperforming their XG by one and a half goals, which over the course of three games is quite a bit. Yeah, they're just taking these skewed shots. Like, I think they're kind of conflicted about how they want to play a little bit now. Because last season, because Klopp knew he didn't have the defence, they just had to go forward all the time. Whereas now, they almost catch themselves knowing, oh, we don't have to play in that way so much. We can just control games. And you've got, you've got the fucking goalkeeper lobbing oncoming attackers just cool as you like 20 yards out from his from his goal yeah um Allison just taking the absolute piss yeah I think Liverpool have been the best defense so far I mean and the the stats do play that out like they have 1.3 xg conceded which no one else is below two and a half I don't think or no one else is below two and I think that they've looked good value for their three wins uh look I'm not I'm not trying to say that City still aren't the best team and that Liverpool are gonna win because they've taken two more points than City out of the first three matches. All I'm trying to say is that already we've had an example of Liverpool don't need to be this perfect, amazing, perfect team. They've been very good, but not perfect by any means. But if they can win the games they're supposed to win, and City will slip up on occasion like they literally already did, this microcosm is what is the potential scenario that could lead to someone besides City winning the league. Yeah, but it's it's still it's still the luck of the gods. I mean, okay, yeah, Man City dropped points this week and everyone will go on about that. But they dropped points this week for someone handballing a, the ball into the opposition's net. Yeah, how much do they wish VAR was back in the was in the prem? I I just think like after this week uh, regardless it's going to sound bitter again, but for like the Palace Watford game, for that Man City one, um, there were a few others where there were many decisions missed. Like I miss VAR from the World Cup. Like I, oh, yeah. I actually yeah. do miss it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we were decidedly big fans of VAR. I think we we defended it like twice on air and like five other times that we cut because we just kept having the same conversation. <laughs> yeah. Um, bring VAR in as soon as possible, with each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I I know, but I don't know. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Like, there is yeah, a I, version of the world where City don't win the league, and it's not even that hard to imagine that version of the world because it's no. already kind of happening. And the perfect example of that happened, like, four years ago because Leicester won the league. Three years ago, whatever it was. And that's something that everyone will constantly refer to now, is that anyone anyone can win it. With good reason, though. Yeah. Yeah. But that was... And that was exactly what you said, that... I think what you the way you were trying to word it with Liverpool is that all Leicester did that season was just go out what was in front of them and beat who they had to play that week. And they they went down the stretch, you know, they were they were top at Christmas and they had a fantastic result and they could at that point they easily could have got carried away with themselves because yeah. I think 
I think that was, correct me if I'm wrong, Oscar, that was when Leicester were in first, Chelsea were in like 17th or something at Christmas, 16th, yep. mm-hmm. 15th. It was, um, I don't remember the exact Watford, number, but it was like, I don't think yeah. it was relegation, at least. It was, Yeah, it was close. It, it, it was, was close. close, but I don't I don't think it was as well. You had Leicester who were first, Watford who were third or fourth, and Palace were fourth or fifth at, at like Christmas time. That's how it was. Now, Leicester in that position easily could have done what Palace and Watford did, which was go on big losing runs and kind of that was that was when Palace went whatever it was twenty one games and only got like two draws and one win or something stupid. Yeah, like that. I remember that. Watford went on the massive losing run and sacked I don't know pick a manager's name out of a hat whoever the fuck it was then. Um, but Leicester took that position and then had about six or seven games where they just ground out one nil wins, one nil wins, one nil wins. They weren't emphatic. They weren't setting the world on fire, but they just got the job done. And so I think you're right. If Liverpool can realise that that can be a strength for them, then then you're right. That if they beat everyone in front of them and then just have to get results out of the City games, there's no reason why they can't win the league. But it's just whether they keep that discipline, if they keep that team together, specifically that back line. Yeah. And I'm thinking Van Dijk more than anything. If they lose Van Dijk to injury, they could very well just be the exact same as last year. I agree. It gives them so much defensive strength, really, really does, and allows Robertson and Alexander Arnold or whoever else is whoever's playing at right back to just bomb forward and just be basically in the box all the time. Yeah, I think because there are two other teams ahead of, or I guess four other teams. There are two other teams that have taken nine points, and I'm not talking about Chelsea as being potentially in a legitimate title race yet, even though they also have won, won as many points as Liverpool. Um, they've done it against, you know, on the road or against Arsenal in their one match at home. Like, I don't think it's time yet to get hyped about Chelsea because it's only three games. Uh, but those same three games looking at Liverpool, I'm like, oh, this isn't, this doesn't feel like a fluke that they're at the top of the table right now. It feels like they're one of the two genuinely elite teams right now. And mm-hmm. sure, City happened to have dropped the points. But if Liverpool were ahead of City on goal difference, I wouldn't be like, that's crazy. There's no way Liverpool can be a better team. Like, I think they have the best defense in the Prem right now. And I think that their attack is incredibly elite level, incredibly talented. And so City might be more complete in two directions. But yeah. they, I think like I think that they're gonna push City. I genuinely think they're gonna push City. Yeah, and I and I think there's you have reason to believe that, but again, with three games in, they've played West Ham, Palace, and Brighton. Yeah, that's true. That's not hard opponents. Maybe that's, I should be more excited it. about Chelsea. Chelsea have played Arsenal and then two games on the road and have the second most goals scored in the league and are in second place on goal difference. Like I like that you don't mention the fact that you played Huddersfield, the worst team right. that I can remember seeing in the last like three years in the Premiership. I, I just said more excited. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> Fair enough. By that token, Spurs... Well, Watford's is obviously impressive, but that's not sustainable. Spurs, considering how knackered and buggered they all were, 
you know, yeah, they went up to St. James's Park, um, which is not good, you know, not good for a lot of teams. I know for Chelsea, that's been a, a very bad place to go for points in the last few years. Um, I think before before this weekend, Newcastle hadn't lost in five, the last five times they played Chelsea at St. James's Park. It had been, I thought it was 2011 was the last time that we got any points there. Yeah, so that makes sense because Newcastle were out for one year, so... Yeah, six six years, seven years, yeah. Plus then this game, um. So you know they did that. They then played Fulham, um. Who obviously you know that's a bit, you know, still promoted team, but Fulham are playing some good attacking football, um. And then just beat went to Old Trafford and beat United. Yeah. So I think if I was gonna redo my predictions, uh, I would say that Liverpool and City are the two best teams. Spurs and Chelsea are. One tier below that with Chelsea, I'm giving Chelsea a chance of making the jump if they continue in this way um, and the midfield really, really comes together as much as it could. But right now they're with Spurs a level below. And then it's a pretty big gap to Arsenal and United and Palace and West Ham and Everton and Leicester and whatever those other mid-table teams are going to be. Um, and I don't have Arsenal or United ahead of of Palace even like I could see Palace finishing fifth this year you're fucking insane (laughs) (laughs) amazing cool so um I think that should about do it for part one so we'll take a quick break and when we come back we'll look at our mini table draft game some listener questions and predictions for the coming weekend so stick around Welcome back to Miles Offside Podcast, episode number 12, up in double digits. We've been talking about, well, quite a lot actually about Jose Mourinho, which is not the direction I really wanted to go in, but so let's swerve away from that and do things in a slightly different order this week and head over to super producer Ian Stimson with Le Questions. Oh, you let me go in early, as the bishop said to the actress. Which uh, brings us into uh, a good question from Johnny Worthington, which is all about favourite sexual innuendos you hear during football commentary. You got any favourites, Chuck? Most of my favourites involve the word tackle. Um, Yeah, yeah. You know, the classic. Anytime you're playing FIFA, you know, oh, he's got his tackle in there. Or, (laughs) oh, that's a strong tackle. Uh, Massive tackle. So tackle is a word for dick over there. Like a, yeah. A yeah. Oh, okay. The whole, that makes it the much whole funnier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we need to we need to make this a proper section. Just yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that one. Yeah, it's your it's your wedding tackle. It's your your meat and two veg. Your, your twig and berries. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could lovely. be making half of these up, and I'd be like, okay. <laughs> Did you know in England they call a penis a tackle? <laughs> I mean, if pomegranate means penis, then apparently it does yeah. now. All pets are off. <laughs> baguette the official penis emoji of the podcast is the baguette um, for what it's worth johnny's favorite is oh he's been penetrating their box all night that's a good one <laughs> i love uh i love when someone's a good ball handler yeah, yeah great ball skills <laughs> his ball handling is off the charts yeah really good yeah. ball handling <laughs> skills and we had another one that's good it's good for a couple of reasons this one uh one of the reasons it's good is because today earlier on kim kardashian tweeted that she was looking for new podcasts to listen to 
and uh, Chuck decided it'd be a good idea to invite her and Kanye on to as guest hosts. I mean, they haven't responded yet, so uh, no. I presume, yeah. When when can we expect their response, Chuck? No, they were they were busy. Oh, busy. Okay, but they'll um, be they'll be on another time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like good. Yeah. But what I like about this is that Johnny OG, when he gave us a question, he <laughs> included Kim Kardashian and Kanye in the tweet as well, which I really enjoyed. And he asked, and maybe Kim and Kanye read this, but he asked, we already know that Oscar's favourite moment for his club was Chelsea winning the China Cup. <laughs> <laughs> which is brilliant. And he's got the jersey to prove it. Um, but what are Chuck and Ian's best ever moments for Palace and the Posh? So what's your best ever Palace moment, Chuck? Um, there's a few. I still kind of remember my first game-ish, but not really. Um, I remember going... So I've kind of got a top three, I reckon, um, in no real particular order. And that was the 1997... Or was it 96? Fuck. Were you alive yet? Yeah. <laughs> You're just doing it right. So we record this podcast on Skype. And I'm using a slightly different version to Ian and Oscar. So they've just discovered, just discovered, I'm hoping this thing's been around for three years so they look like fucking dinosaurs, that you can do moving emojis over the camera. Yeah. So every time I say anything for this whole episode, Oscar's just been pressing the sarcastic clapping moving emoji. Oh, it's the most fun I've ever had. fucking prick. And I don't want to do this podcast anymore. So that just been me, mate. So that just been me. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, but you instigated it. You made <laughs> Ian true. aware. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know. Oh, thing. someone's being a dick on the podcast. Gee, I wonder who it was. Yeah, you. You're the pomegranate in this group. <laughs> so, 1997, you are well and truly alive. Crystal yep. Palace. Yep. No, it's gone now. Moment's gone. <laughs> oh dear such a precious little flower <laughs> playoff final oh mine's a playoff final as well yeah Sheffield United playoff final uh, David Hopkin late in the game <laughs> top corner lovely stuff uh, a man who was in front of me turned around and kissed me uh, there you go that was a bit weird the second one is another playoff final when I went to see Palace against Watford uh, when we got promoted to the Premier League for our current stint. Um, that was amazing. Kevin Phillips. Second half extra time penalty. Lovely bloody stuff. Could have watched. Turned round. Turned round. Hugged my dad like a madman. And we both cried. It was lovely. Um, <laughs> that is lovely. It was lovely. And then the third one, which will always stick with me, was when Thomas Brolin turned out for Palace for a while. And it was kind of in his later years when he was, he was quite a... Let's not beat around the bush. He was a fat fucker. (laughs) (laughs) Something, something happened in a game. I I, I can't remember exactly who we were playing, who we were playing against, but something happened in the game, and he had to go off for a bit to get treatment for like a head injury. Like it was just bleeding a little bit. He needed something to eat. Yeah, he did. He needed the pie. Um, (laughs) And so he came out with like a massive bandage wrapped around his head for the second half. And so we were kind of down the opposite end of the pitch. And again, I was about seven or eight, maybe nine at the time. And Brolin jumps up to head a ball, heads it. And from 90 yards away, you just see his bandage just 
pop off of his head and just explode into all kind of bits. And I turn to my mum and sister and just go, oh, my God, his head's exploded. (laughs) And to this day, I still remember it. And my sister brings it up all the time. Brilliant. Brilliant. That's me. Nice. What about you, Stimmers? What about the posh? So mine is also a playoff final, although slightly lower down. Mine was in 1992 and I was eight years old and Peterborough were in the third division playoff final to stop Port County. Oscar, stop pressing the fucking emoji button. (laughs) I'm really not. not. I know you're pressing it now. Every time he's going to get... What, is this the board emoji? Is that what I'm getting? <laughs> what, does I'm just Re- upset because I can't even see it. <laughs> does Peterborough United versus Stockport County not thrill you? I don't, I don't understand. 1990, third, third division playoff final. And uh, it was at Old Wembley. Don't think it was even half full. And um, it was nil-nil at half time. And then Peterborough went... 1-0 up, Stockport County equalised like a few minutes before the end. And, you know, as an eight-year-old, absolutely fucking heartbreaking. And then Ken Charlery, who was an absolute hero for Posh back in the day, scored the winner in the 89th minute. And it's one of them like football affirming moments for me where it was like, bang, I've got it. And I was in. And it was fucking brilliant as an eight-year-old and the problem is it did spoil me because then I was just like well this is what happens when you go to Wembley or this is what happens when you've got a massive game it's dramatic and then you win and then it was it wasn't actually until years later that we lost a playoff final and I was, I was a lot older but I still took it badly but yeah that that's my best moment with the posh I was eight years old and a playoff final that I will never forget yeah, there's something about those finals, like cups or all or nothing games, especially at the end. Like, yeah, that was the same for me. Like the David Hopkins goal against Sheffield United was like 88th, 89th minute. That was yeah. at the old Wembley. The Kevin Phillips penalty was in like the 118th minute, the Zaha one. And then in the very last minute, Joel Ward headed it off the line um, to send us up. And yeah, the, you can't you can't match those moments of joy that instantaneous all-encompassing feeling of holy fuck yeah i mean obviously my actual answer is not the asia cup <laughs> oh, um, no the china cup the china yeah, cup just won <laughs> like a china tea set in like a raffle uh, it comes with some ginseng um but yeah no exactly what you're saying like when it comes late and it's a knockout competition all that sort of stuff um for me, obviously, Champions League final is probably, like, objectively the best one. But the semi-final and that Torres goal against Barcelona in Barcelona. I don't know if you guys remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Chelsea had gone. First of all, we're in Barcelona. Everybody just expects them to lose. They lose. Gary. Luis was out with a broken leg or something. They lost Cahill to a pulled hamstring in, like, the 15th minute. Mm-hmm. And then John Terry got a red card like five minutes later. So they're down to 10 men, no actual center backs. They were playing, um, Bosingwa at center back, like, wow. who was not even a particularly defensive right back, <laughs> but down to 10 men. Then Barcelona immediately score. And then Chelsea had drawn it right before halftime. I believe it was, um, that whole thing is a blur. 
but we were in a pub in me and my now wife were in a pub in the Upper East Side of Manhattan, which is not at all like a cool area of Manhattan where there are people who like soccer and or um, just people who watch sports even. Um, but we were in this bar with a bunch of like old, rich ladies and like one super old guy sitting in the corner just drinking gin by himself because it's a wealthy, elderly type of neighborhood. Um, but it just happened to be the only place that had a TV anywhere near us. And so we're in there, and then Torres, you know, I remember the pass gets played over, and he's in one-on-one, and it's Fernando fucking Torres, so he's gonna fuck it up. But he rounds the keeper, and he scores, and the two of us just started screaming our heads off in this bar, and we're like, yeah, yeah, oh, we're going to the final, we're going to the final! I'm like, we're running around, we're crying, and everyone else in the bar is like, what is wrong with these two people? Like, what even is this? was like a Tuesday afternoon at like three forty-five or something, and but it, that, that's definitely my favorite Chelsea moment. Yeah, it's uh, no Peter for Stockport, mate. <laughs> Oscar, Oscar, do you know what Stockport is? No. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> nope. I just let it slide. Yeah, fair enough. Very good team. Yeah. Is it? Is it not one of those meat drinks that you drink at like? At the uh, it is now. No, that you're just it. thinking of gravy. You're just thinking of gravy and fortified wine. It's it's not a combination Stop, cocktail. Stockport. <laughs> I will try that. Yeah, I love that. Stockport is now Bovril. That's it. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Second, their biggest competitor, Bovril County. <laughs> cool. So if you want to get in touch with us on Twitter, we are Miles Offside Pod. We've had a lot of good interactions and people engaging with a bit of debate uh, this week which I know Oscar enjoyed. So uh, if you do disagree with us on anything, don't be afraid to tell us because we all like a good argument. And yeah. uh, there you go. <laughs> Chuck straight in. Yeah, I love a good argument. Yep. Yeah. Uh, or get in touch with us, uh, milesoffsidepod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And uh, Oscar's going to take us through our own little personal vendetta draft game. Don't tell me what to do. Oh, You're not the boss of me. Christ. <laughs> Are we not still doing the disagreements thing? Okay, sorry. <laughs> no, you're just in that mode. All right. Um, so, yeah. So, as you guys, if you've been listening, know, the three of us each drafted four teams to start off the season that will represent us in a little competition that we're calling the mini-prem table draft. Stimmers chose Manchester City, Arsenal, Tottenham, and Everton. I uh, got Chelsea, Man United, West Ham, and Fulham. And Chuck ended up with Liverpool... Crystal Palace, Leicester, and Southampton. Um, So, as of now, at the end of three matches, I am currently in third place with 15 table points combined between my four teams. Obviously, West Ham and Man United are bringing me down quite a bit. Chuck is in second place with 19 points. Liverpool pulling him along there. And Stimmers predictably given the four teams that he ended up with, is in first place with 24 points. Uh, And just imagine how good he's going to do when Arsenal start putting together some performances. Everton and Arsenal got a really good run coming up. Yep. I could open up a gap here. Yeah, you really could. I mean, not that we didn't realise this from the very inception of the whole feature. Yeah. Oh, Ian's won. Chuck, your pick of Palace really fucked everything up. 
Because it gave him three of the top six. It was so unexpected. That's how we do. Well, if we survive to next year, I'll take... If I win at a canter, I'll take third pick. If you win at a canter, I'm not playing again. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, that's assuming we still are I'm taking to my each ball other, and I'm going home. <laughs> I didn't realise how much of a child you were. <laughs> well, according to Oscar, I wasn't even alive in 96, so who knows? <laughs> you know Chuck, respect your elders, okay? Stimmers is like 10 years your senior. Fuck you, Oscar. And the rest. Fuck <laughs> you. See, I'm perfect in the middle because I can make fun of Stimmers for being old and I can make fun of Chuck for being young. This is bullshit. This is bullshit. I'm not, I don't want to win the draft league if it means I just have to take shit for my age. This is unbelievable. 34. <laughs> win or lose, you're taking the shit anyway, mate. So, you know. Fucking yeah, hell. this is true. I mean, the three of us became friends with each other for being the biggest assholes in the small <laughs> community of Gaffaretti. Like, yeah. that's how yeah. we ended up finding each other. Exactly. I was like, oh, these two guys are always making really dickish comments. I should be friends with them. <laughs> I'm absolutely furious. Right, Chuck, <laughs> do the predictor league. Predictor league! <laughs> we have been running a prediction league which we haven't posted out the results yet because we're sticking to the old school rules of after about five, six weeks is when you can really tell um, what's going on. So we started this league to get you guys to get in touch with where you'd rank all 20 teams in the Premier League. So far, we're up to 17 entrants. That is including ourselves and our latest entrant, where um, Ian is putting his son to work. Yeah, he's got his, he's got his little boy to get some picks. So, Ian's son's in. We might, if we get desperate for numbers, get the wives and girlfriends involved. No, Oscar's shaking his head. No, it's not happening. (laughs) My missus ain't into it either. (laughs) Yeah, mine either. (laughs) Oh, Oh, prediction teams. Sorry. Oh, gotcha. uh, Understood. Yeah. Yeah, so if you want to get involved, um, all you have to do is tweet us, email us, direct message us, whatever of where you think all 20 Premier League teams are going to finish this year. We decided, we said a couple of times that we we might have a prize. Well, we finally decided that whoever wins the league um, will get a £50 voucher to... £51. Why 51 It's divisible by three, mate. Yeah, but I can I can just pay a pound less. You guys just pay 17 no. each and I can pay 16 Oh, this is Chuck's admin fee for running the spreadsheet. Yeah! <laughs> See, they all agree. Silence means yes. Uh, so, yeah, so a £51 gift voucher, I guess. £50. Minus, <laughs> minus one pound. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> come on, we're so close to the end. So close to the end, guys. Hold it together. Just another 57 minutes. Come on, you can do it. 58 minutes. Brilliant. <laughs> sorry sorry for the team of your choice (laughs) you expect me to cut that last bit (laughs) you cut what to cut in for the team of your choice all through that quagmire of shit you expect me to put in a game Yeah, 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 yeah. Anything to make your life difficult. Yeah, okay. fine, mate. Yeah, I'll find a way. No, Sorry. you'll find a way. Nature always finds a way. 
<laughs> I watched Jurassic Park uh, earlier today. Anyway, carry on. Which one? The original? Yep. Ah, oh, it's bloody good. Yeah, me and Finn were up before Kel and uh, we put Jurassic Park on. 93 was a good year for films. Very was. Good year for films. Yeah, it was. It was. I, I think it was 94. Uh, yeah, I thought it was 94. Pulp Fiction is like that. It was, it was a good year, but I think it was 94. Was I think. it? I think so. And The Lion King, too, I think. I think so, yeah. And as our listeners will be listening and Googling right now, they will find out that Chuck is correct. It's 1993. Is it? Well, there you go. Uh, uh, see? The joke of of you guys adding on one to whatever I say. (laughs) Hoisted hoisted by your own petard. None of this is going in, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) So, yeah, so all you have to do is predict where all 20 Premier League teams will finish. Entries will be open until 11.30 on the 15th of September. Don't you dare say 16th. Don't you fucking dare say 16th. Or 14th. Or any other date. Or any other time. 11.30, Saturday, 15th of September. 11.31. British summer time. Before you fucking ask what time zone. And uh, what's the tiebreaker, Chuck? Because that went well last week. I can't remember. Something about... (laughs) Don't change your picks, and if you were wearing a green T-shirt or reciting the alphabet whilst you made them, that made you win. I don't. In the case of a tie, whoever sends in their entry first will be the winner. Yeah, aka whoever I decide. Because <laughs> Chuck's running a dictatorship now. Now <laughs> and forever. So, please send your predictions and dick pics to Dave Mateo on Twitter. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. At Dave underscore, sorry, um, at Miles Offside Pod. So, that gives you one more week of Premier League fixtures for you, Johnny Come Latelys. Um, we've actually got two guys called Johnny already in the league. There you go. Um, Johnny Come Earlys. They were. <laughs> there we go. Um, you guys get one more week of fixtures to have a look and kind of judge where you think everybody will finish this this season. So let's look ahead to the fixtures next week. Um, ten fixtures, same as every week, same as every week. Always um, the same. Apart from double game week, Always the all same. blanks. Always the same. Always the same. Um, we have Leicester at home to Liverpool, Brighton at home to Fulham, then Chelsea, Bournemouth, Crystal Palace, Southampton, which I'll be going to, lads. By the way, that's, that's, that's. A bloody Ooh, ticket. Nice, lovely old job. Bloody ticket. Anyone in the area? Don't don't meet me. Um, I'm not interested. Doesn't like people. Um, yep. Everton, Huddersfield, West Ham, Wolves. Then the late game, Man City at home to Newcastle. Then on the Sunday, we've got Cardiff, Arsenal, Burnley, Man United, Watford, Spurs. Oscar P. Puente, what sticks out for you there? Uh, I'm trying to not just pick, like, Liverpool or Chelsea's match. Yep. Um, but the answer has to be Man United, right, to Burnley. Like, just Burnley especially being as good defensively as they have been in the past few seasons. Not so much this season so far, but in historically. And at home. And mm. just what the hell kind of lineup is he going to run out? What the hell kind of press conference is he going to be? Like, I, I'm very excited to watch Sunday's matches. Yeah, we get to get we get kept waiting a little bit for that one since it's four o'clock on a Sunday. But yeah, Burnley really haven't looked good. They've they've suffered for Europa, and it's it's a shame that they're they're out now. It would be nice 
God, especially at Man United's expense, to see them get back to their old ways and just get a 1-0 win. It's not an easy game for Man U, Burnley at home. Not at all. Not no. at all. So, yeah, I think that's a good shout. Um, I do also want to... I, I picked them for my draft, mini draft table competition thing that we're doing. But I am curious to see if West Ham can finally start putting it together. They they have a decent matchup at home against Wolves. So that could yeah. be one where they start stringing together some passes and putting together the attack that you know that they could. Because they have the right players and they have the right manager. They just hasn't gotten it to click yet. I'm just curious to see if they can get it done this weekend. Yeah, I think they played the, the first half against Arsenal last week where they, they played very, very well. You know, they got the first goal. They were working well um, together. Felipe Anderson especially is he's looking rapid and like he can do some damage once he sets into that system. Um, potentially one to keep an eye on for your fantasy football teams as well. But they just didn't have the legs to get through that game. They took advantage of Arsenal being shit defensively, which they still will be probably this week. You never know, Cardiff might get a goal against them, against Arsenal on the Sunday. But yeah, I think that West Ham Wolves game is is very interesting because Wolves have played very attacking football. You know, against City, they didn't really show any fear. They didn't show them any respect. They attacked them, albeit they you know they got the result based on a handball goal and they had you know one goal disallowed as offside, rightfully. Yeah, um, although it was zero point nine xg, so that's you know that's a decent amount to generate against City. Mm. So Wolves, I, I yeah, I have that one as far as like not. <laughs> Who was it on on Twitter? Someone called it the bottom fourteen teams. <laughs> um, so as far as bottom fourteen teams go, West Ham Wolves is the one that I would have circled because um, West Ham have had a horrible, horrible opening set of fixtures. Like yeah. to start off away to Liverpool and then also go away to Arsenal in your first three. Like that's that's brutal. So I I want West Ham to do well this year, and I would like to see that start happening. This weekend at home against Wolves, against a promoted team, I feel like that's the place. Stimmers, who what do you have circled for this weekend? I like the look of Palace Southampton. I think a lot of people um, are talking Palace up uh, this year, us included. Uh, even pessimist Chuck has, has allowed himself the odd moment, and mm-hmm. um, I think this is the sort of game that they they need to win if they're going to be firmly top half and even going for possible. Uh, European places, so yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a good uh, a good opportunity for Crystal Palace to put their marker down. Yeah, I, I think exactly that. Um, it's kind of why I really wanted to go to the game anyway, not just because I've got a day off work, but um, I think it's the real exactly as you said, Palace. These are the games you just have to win. That's it. And with Palace's run coming up, it's you know at home to Southampton, away to Huddersfield, home to Newcastle, uh, away to Bournemouth. And then at home to Wolves, um, you know, they, they need to be taking points there. I don't think Palace have looked bad. I don't think anyone would say Palace have looked bad in the in the, in the first few games, in the loss against Liverpool or the, the loss against Watford, which, you know, without going too much into it, circumstances arose that meant people stayed on the pitch when they shouldn't. <laughs> and obviously, you know, Holobas yeah. scoring a fluke goal that even he admits to and yeah, yeah. That was a tough beat. It was a tough beat, but but you know what? Palace had their fucking chances. You know, Benteke had that great header, and Foster did well to save that. Um, but but Benteke should have done a little bit better, maybe not played it towards the middle of the goal. And then Macarthur was through one on one, and and should have buried it and didn't. So, you know, 
I text you guys after 16 minutes, I think, when we'd had two of those chances. I went, yeah, if we, we had to take those chances or we'd lose. And then, you know, we did. But still lots of positives there and, and still, you know, got a few players to bed into the team as well. So, yeah, it's, it's very much looking forward to that myself. Um, I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying that Benteke shouldn't be starting, that they should give it to someone else, give him a chance. What do you make of that? I don't see why you have to give it to someone else, give a chance. You know, Benteke, Benteke gets a lot of hate from people in a, in a similar kind of way, albeit less in the media, than, than say like Sterling for, for when he was with England at the World Cup. Mm-hmm. So even though you think because he's the striker, he should be scoring goals and everything, like his contribu- contribution to how the game is, you know, his hold-up play, um, his strength in the air, the the vertical leap he gets is ridiculous and he gets like hang time on his headers. Like he'll win balls and just be solid um, for you. And I don't think, you know, the only replacement we have is Surlot, who he isn't that kind of player yet. Like not at all, I don't think. So mm-hmm. I don't think we have anyone better than Benteke if we're going to play the system that we still are. Um, I think we shouldn't play with Zaha up front with Benteke. I don't think that works. I think it works better when he's out wide left and Townsend's out wide right, or you take Benteke out of the picture completely, and it's Townsend and Zaha up front together. That la- that last season was actually specifically what I had in mind, like playing Zaha and Townsend mm. without Benteke at all. Like, Is that not something that you as a fan want them to try, or do you just hold how it's been so far and let it keep going until... Yeah, I, th- I think it's... It's too early to really need to change anything drastically. And exactly as I've, I've said, there there haven't really been negatives in the way we've played. Um, we do miss Johan Kabai a bit just for his kind of distribution and that. But if Maya can fill into that role, then it'd be quite good and provide a bit more coverage for Milivojevic, who hasn't looked great so far this year. Um, he looked a bit lost and, and sluggish almost in games. So, I, yeah, it's too early for me really, to think that anything drastic needs to happen or any particular player needs to be dropped. Um, so apart from that, my game that I kind of really want to see this week, um, Cardiff-Arsenal. I think, yeah, I'm going to go with Cardiff-Arsenal just because I think Cardiff can get a result there. Wow. Um, yeah, I, do, I, I just have this feeling that Warnock's going to turn up, he's going to play his standard boring ball, and it would just be perfect that they can't beat Huddersfield who were down to 10 men last week but they they nick a 1-0 against Arsenal um, out of nowhere because their their defence still looks shaky and Cardiff are just going to play long balls yeah and Arsenal do not like it up them no they do not like it up them they do not like it up them <laughs> no innuendo in your endo um, nice too nice. easy guys too easy yeah I'd love to see Arsenal lose I think Cardiff could be could could do something there. Um, it would make me happy, at least. Yeah. That's it. Who are you captaining this weekend? Aguero! Same. Aguero at home, captains are bend automatic. Isn't that the t- He scored five against them, right? That one. Three, three, last, three last year. Or not last year, sorry. Three last time and five the time before. Yeah. Yeah, big time. Big boy shit. Triple captain time. I wouldn't go that far. That wraps up our preview for next week's games, game week four. Uh, they start on this Saturday, the 1st of September, when we then have a little international break. Um, we won't be having an international break um, because we've all been on holiday and we can't afford anymore. But we finally get to see the UEFA Nations League. So maybe we'll kind of 
have a bit of a dive into that next time um, since it's quite confusing to try and figure out how actually it works. Who did England play? England play Spain and... I have no idea. Oh, I have no <laughs> idea. I'm, I'm, I'm looking I still don't you. really know how it works. No, so. this is, I think we're going to be finding it out live on the podcast next week when Chuck reads out the Wikipedia article. Um, yeah, when I read out that horrendously confusing cluster mess of whatever. But thanks for sticking with us. If you've listened this far, congratulations. You deserve a fucking medal. If you've been sitting at home, you might have been playing on Skype doing the sarcastic clap emoji, which I know Oscar's doing right now because Ian's <laughs> fucking busting his no, face. No, that's the best part is you have no idea when I do it and when I don't. You keep guessing <sighs> that I am and I'm not. <laughs> and that wraps it up for episode the 12th. Thank you very, very much for listening, guys. We'll be back with you next week when Ian will be back on his own ironing board where he belongs. <laughs> I tell you, this is a luxurious ironing board. I, I have got some serious <laughs> thinking to do. <laughs> but does it look after you like the one does at home? You know, it may be all glitz and glamour, but will it cuddle you after a long day at work? Sorry, we're getting too close on the metaphors here, aren't we? I was going to say, I mean, yeah, this ironing board's fine. I've fucked it and it's fine. And there we go. Is that it? Bye. (laughs) Bye. Cool. So uh, if you want to get in touch with us on Twitter, we are Miles Offside Pod on Twitter. So if you want to get on to Jesus Christ, I'm doing... How many times did you say Twitter in one sentence? Five. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Fuck's sake. Twitter! 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 Twitter. I've had Fuck you, Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck, I just did the sarcastic clap. Yeah, I figured. <laughs>